Good morning, my friends. Skip here for our next episode of Finding Meaning. I hope all things are well in your life. Uh, you might hear a little exacerbation in my voice uh, dealing with teenagers. Uh, getting a late start this morning, it is 8.07 a.m., which is usually about <laughs> two and a half hours past when I usually do these. Uh, so uh, please forgive my my exacerbation. Uh, life happens, brothers and sisters. Uh, you can be, you can, you can have the realization that all things are, are a simulation. All things are a shadow of reality, but you still got to get a 16-year-old to school on time. <laughs> so I thank you for your patience, and I welcome you to our podcast, uh, I think we are about 227 now, podcasts, so I welcome you. If you're new, uh, I thank you for those of you who are listening. It, it appears that we have some, some people habitually listening, which is awesome. So I want to honor that uh, by giving a daily podcast. You will, you will hear me give a daily podcast unless I am under the weather or busy, uh, and, and can't do that, but I want to honor your time and mine. And I want to talk about one of the ways in which we can understand that we're living in a false reality. And then, of course, what I mean by false reality is I am convinced, as I have said to you all many times, that the systems we have created as humans are not authentic. Uh, they don't reflect an authentic way of being human. They are not full of love and grace and hope and generosity and kindness because we don't learn very much of that stuff. Now, we may learn a little of it, but, you know, it, it's if someone's really kind, uh, we, we look at those people as a fluke, don't we, That uh, or, or naive or silly or something. Uh, we have constructed uh, a reality out of who we have been taught to be and often who we are taught to be is, is you know, sort of self-centered, myopic. Uh, we, we are stuck in survival mode. What comes out of that is, you know, the theory by now, if you've been listening, uh, what comes out of that is and are realities that reflect that self-centeredness. So, for example, uh, economic systems where there, there's a necessity for someone to have more than another person, there's a necessity for dualism. So in other words, for someone to be a success and have more, someone else necessarily has to have less. That is probably the clearest example or one of the clearest examples of the false reality that I can, that I can tell you about. Religion. In order for me to, uh, or anyone to be in with God, uh, we have to belong to a certain set of conceptual beliefs. Otherwise, you know, we're condemned or we're outside. In order for me to have salvation, someone else has to not have salvation. Uh, that's the way religion works. Uh, and it is a false understanding of reality. Okay, so I hope you can hear that, can grasp that. Uh, that I, those ideas, those, 
those programmings are much deeper than we realize. Profoundly deeper than we realize. Uh, as a matter of fact, they come at us very subtly. Uh, they come at us uh, often without even conscious thought. And so we fall into them very easily. Uh, things like worry. Now, we're, we all worry, you know. And, and there's, sometimes there's a place for some concern. Concern, though, has to lead to action. Worrying, that is, putting in reality a problem that, that has not manifested yet, uh, is, is the false programming. Uh, you know, I will quote Jesus again and again because I believe him to be an enlightened being. He said, why worry about tomorrow? <laughs> There's no reason to. You have to be present in the here and now. One of the things uh, we do, and I want to spend the last few minutes, the last five, seven minutes, talking about this, is we want to place upon people, uh, places, and things the responsibility for reality, the responsibility for uh, our enlightenment, the responsibility for our lives, and for mostly uh, for our spiritual life. And so there are billions of people who practice religions that venerate personalities, be they Christian, be they Muslim, be they Buddhist, be they Hindu, although Hinduism is a vast, vastly complicated religion full of you know, demigods and, and gods that represent things. But nonetheless, what we do and what we have learned to do in, in the context of religion is we have placed upon others the responsibility for our awakening. And I want to talk briefly about that. Uh, one of the things I learned as a professional religious person for years is that people are looking for an easy, simple solution to their existential problems. And religion has filled that void that religions, be they New Age religions or ancient religions, uh, be they, uh, you know, cult-type religions or mainline uh, religions, uh, standard religions, classical religions, that what religion does is it offers you a place to set your existential angst, now, the problem with that is this, and I'm going to go back to the beginning of this podcast, is that things like religion are fundamentally based in a lack of authenticity. That they don't, they are not, they have not been built to be an expression of real love and real grace. Now, religions may talk that language, but in a practical sense, if one looks or even more so if one experiences uh, the institutions of religion, you will find that the institution has subverted, has taken over the definition of what real grace is, real forgiveness, real unconditional love. Um, I'm not saying that they're bad people. 
if you belong to a religion, you've heard me say this before, and it makes you a better person, kudos to you. Uh, I can't judge that. I am talking in wide generalities about institutional religion. That what it has done is it has said, basically, we see your existential angst. We see you afraid of reality. We see you not knowing your identity. And what we're going to offer you is this concept, this construct that you can place in your life that fills that void. The problem with that is, is that it is the, the religion, the institutional religion is a construct of a already false reality. And therefore, you're being offered something false to replace something false. Your existential angst comes from you not knowing yourself, not knowing the nature of your own authenticity. And when you reach out to fill that with a religion or a philosophy, uh, and I don't care what, you know, you can be an atheist or you can be a, a Baptist or you can be a Hindu. When you reach out to fill that existential angst to, to, to rectify that, often what you will fill it with is something that is in itself a false uh, reality. And we keep trying, you've heard me say this a million times, we keep trying to fix our lives with things that can't because they themselves are constructed, are, are made of us not knowing ourselves. And so we'll say things like, and I have heard this a million times, that, that um, Jesus saved you from your sin by intervening between you and punishment. You know, substitutionary atonement is the fancy word for that. Jesus paid the price for your sin. I want you to think about that for a second. Think about the transactional nature of what's being said there. Think about how you have to believe in something to be free. Also think about what that says about who God is, that God is actually a, a punishing uh, angry God, and somehow the person of Jesus has intervened between you and this angry God, not unlike someone stopping a fight, you know, or stopping a, uh, someone attacking you. Uh, I remember sitting in the seminary having these thoughts going, this doesn't make any sense. I wish I would listen to those a little more clearly. Uh, now, there are other theories of atonement I won't go into, uh, there's moral atonement, which means Jesus' act on the cross was an act of love. I mean, you know, we can nuance all of this stuff. And maybe you need to nuance it, I don't know. But I, I will tell you that ultimately, who's responsible for your awakening is not Jesus or Buddha or Gandhi or Muhammad or Martin Luther King or your political party or your pope or your religion, who's responsible for your enlightenment is you. Because enlightenment, awakening, true awakening, happens inward. That it is a wholly individual experience that happens within you. Now, if you're lucky, and, in there, and they're out there, hear me, if you're lucky, you might find a religion that tells you that. You might find a religion that encourages you to look inside of yourself to not place 
you know, the blame for your failures upon something else. Uh, do not place the need to let go of your existential angst uh, or your mistakes upon some, someone else. Learn from them. Grow through them. Practice grace for yourself. Now, I also want to say this before I finish today, and that is I believe that the opposite uh, can often be true also. That is to say that those who are angrily against religion are simply doing the same thing. They're just placing the blame upon religion. Uh, there is no blame here, folks. Uh, religion simply fills a void that we've created by not knowing ourselves. It doesn't make religion bad. It doesn't make it good. It makes it a part of a false reality. It doesn't make politics good or politics bad. It makes it a part of how we function. And so your awakening has to, and what I mean by awakening is your understanding that you are authentically love and grace and truth. That awakening has to happen individually for you. If you find a religion that nurtures that, great. If you find a set of friends that nurture that, great. If you find a philosophy that nurtures that, great. I will tell you that once things are institutionalized, once religion or philosophy or concepts are institutionalized, the institution becomes a part of the false reality, becomes more about self-preservation than it does enlightenment. As a matter of fact, uh, often when you begin to wake up within the context of a religion or a political entity uh, or a scientific entity or an academic entity, uh, you'll, be, you'll be asked to leave <laughs> uh, because you'll be a challenge. You'll be a, you'll be a thorn in the side uh, of that institution. So let me, let me just end with this. Let me try to synopsize this down uh, to something really simple. Uh, look within yourself for the answers. Uh, don't try to come up with theological concoctions that have someone else do the work for you. Uh, you know, uh, the idea that the devil made you do it or that you are incapable of doing anything and thus you need someone to intervene, you know, um, we got to quit placing blame. We got to quit diverting our responsibility. You're going to make mistakes, uh, but at the end of the day, those mistakes can be used to strip away your ego and get down to the truth of who you are. So, my point is this don't seek things outside of yourself to fill the vacuum of your angst. Realize that that existential angst, that worry, that, that, that fear, that that's all a part of a false reality. And that if we can just simply let that go and see it as not having power, it changes us then you are, you're under the Bodhi tree with Buddha. You're in the desert with Jesus. You're saying, the things of this world have no power over who I really am. And then, my friends, then you're free.
I hope this is helpful. Thanks for your time. I'm glad we could get through it. Uh, Keep listening. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.